Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, the first guest on this edition of The Intersection is T. Martin Bennett, who for years has been working on a story regarding the Japanese pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor, who later gave his life to Christ. You will be hearing material from a recent Meeting House conversation. Plus, Jay Hewitt is a survivor. Faced with a cancer diagnosis, he leaned into the strength of the Lord, recognizing that God's strength is found through our own weakness. He even competed in an Ironman triathlon. Learn more about his amazing story coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection from Focus on the Family, Greg Smalley discusses some new research that shows some encouraging news regarding the divorce rate and shares how Christians can be devoted to preserving and growing in their marriages. Finally, I had the chance to present a Christmas-related conversation on the Meeting House with Oceana Fleiss, who uses characters found in the Old Testament to highlight the relevance of the coming of Jesus to earth. And she talked about it in a Meeting House conversation from which you'll be hearing. This is the intersection of production of the Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. T. Martin Bennett has had a desire to tell the amazing story of a Japanese pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. He has long been interested in making a movie about the true story, but he was encouraged to write a book first. So he has. It's called Wounded Tiger and highlights this man, as well as two other individuals, illustrating the presence of God at work through their lives. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is T. Martin Bennett. He was not seeking God in any way, shape, or form. He yeah. hated America and Americans, and he, you know, bombing Pearl Harbor was, for him, a, a, a joy. So it is kind of unusual how in the world did this guy's life turn around? And there's two other characters who are in the story as well. So there's three plot lines that eventually come together in a way that's completely unpredictable. But to answer your question, I, from an early age, I've loved true stories. I read biographies and, you know, and I just was hooked. I just love true stories. And as a Christian, I love true stories that have Christian elements of redemption because that's a positive, authentic ending. It's not just a fairy tale, it's reality. And I like that. So I had come across the uh, Fuchita story in a, uh, a used book I bought online from a defunct publisher, and I had very low expectations because I know quite a bit about history, military history, and redemption stories. I never heard a single word about this guy's life ever, nothing. Mm -hmm. So as I went through this old book, I realized this is, this is an undiscovered, phenomenal story. And I'd already written a screenplay on the life of John Newton, who wrote the song Amazing Grace. His mm. life story is absolutely mind-boggling. So when I came across this one on Fuchida, or Fuchida, as they pronounce it in Japanese, I thought, this I, I thought this has got to be done. So I, I said, Lord, do you want me to do this as a feature film? And before I could finish it, it was like, Martin, get it done. I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be a heavy lift. So I, I spent three years in research. I read thousands of pages. I wrote the script, got in front of film people and investors. They said they loved it. They wanted to do it. They would fully fund the thing. This is an over $100 million film. The problem was if I signed on these options, I would have to turn over full creative control, leaving me in a position where I'd have no ability to protect the integrity of the story. And mm -hmm. that was a deal breaker for me. So I just focused on getting the book out. And then the producer of Hacksaw Ridge contacted me and said, hey, you know, what's going on with this project? And I said, it's impossible to get money. He said, don't worry about the money, get the book out. That's when people will see what this story is about and the investors will come to you. So 
He was like yelling at me, Martin, this is what you have to do. I promise you this is exactly what's going to happen. He'd been in the business 50 years and he, he loves the story. He's bonkers over the story. So uh, that's how I got into the story. And I, I love it as much or more today than the first day I came across the story. It is a phenomenally encouraging and inspiring story that's unpredictable right to the very end. On the other two plot lines, okay, Puchita is about 50% of the story. And his story in and of itself is a fascinating, unbelievable story. But there's two other stories that come mm. into play later on. One is a guy named Jake DeShazer, who was an American who volunteered for the military because he couldn't find a job. I mean, that was the fact of the matter. So he ends up <laughs> volunteering for something. He doesn't even know where they're going. It's the Doolittle Raid, which was the first counterattack against the Japanese after Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was December uh, 1941. The, the Doolittle Raid was in April of 1942, so shortly after. His plane ends up running out of fuel over occupied China. He becomes a prisoner of war. And in his own words, he said he was crazy with hatred toward the Japanese. And watching his life story, his life change and how it's changed and how it's really saved in every way. And then there's the Covell family. They're highly educated teachers and missionaries in Japan. They love people. They work with the poorest of the poor. And then they had to flee Japan because they were ramping up for war. They feared for their lives. They went to the Philippines, sent their kids off to the United States, and their daughter becomes the fulcrum of change in Fuchida's life, although he never hears, he never sees her, never meets her, never talks to her. And, and that is just um, an example for us that simple acts done in love and obedience can have monumental impacts on other people. And that's happened. That's what happened with Peggy Covell's life and Mitsuo Fuchida. And to see how this happens is absolutely mind-boggling. T. Martin Bennett here on The Intersection. You can find out more at WoundedTiger.com. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the author of the book entitled, I Am Weak, I Am Strong, Building a Resilient Faith for a Resilient Life. His name is Jay Hewitt. And in our conversation, he discussed the work of God in his life through a cancer struggle and how he discovered God's strength in his weakness. Here now from that Meeting House conversation is Jay Hewitt. I was leading a, a new church, planted a new church, vibrant, growing, having all the good problems that you've got to solve, <laughs> had people getting saved. And it was just things were going well until they weren't. Uh, out of nowhere, I had a seizure, uh, went to the doctor after uh, many tests and the brain surgery, they, uh, they were able to figure out what was going on. And unfortunately for me, the diagnosis that they came up with, as you said, was terminal brain cancer. And man, I remember being in the neuro-oncologist's office, my wife, Natalie, sitting next to me when they, when they gave us that news. I can still remember the sound of her tears. I put my hand on her leg mm. and we were kind of devastated together, and, uh, but supporting each other. And as, uh, as most of your listeners would do in that moment, you've got nothing else to do but to pray. And so we started praying. And even in the prayer, there is this moment that I think everybody in this situation would face. It's, it's that why, why me moment. And it's this test of, am I going to turn to God or am I going to walk away from my faith? And uh, that's where the, the subtitle of this book comes from. It really takes having a resilient faith if you're going to live a resilient life. And that was the first test that I had to face. Well, I'm thinking about a scale, kind of a spectrum of hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. So generally, what's your mindset along that line? 
Yeah, you know, there, there is this, uh, this old saying, it's, it, it felt like a, cl- a cliche at first, but now it's really helped guide my, my life. Um, I, I really do plan like I'm going to live forever mm-hmm. and live like it's my last day. And so I have hopes, I have dreams, I have plans, I have prayers for a, a normal lifespan, just like anyone else. And yet <laughs> I live in this reality of, okay, I'm not promised tomorrow, which, by the way, nobody is. Right, right. Uh, but it, yeah, but it's, it's just amplified in my situation. And so I really try and, and make the most out of every day, seize every opportunity that God brings my way to share his love and his mercy and um, take it day by day. Okay, let's talk about the Iron Man component. How is it that you really decided to do this while having cancer treatment? Yeah, again, I I would say this wasn't quite the Lord speaking to me, but I do believe it was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. I was thinking, okay, if God is promising and is, uh, I'm anticipating that when I'm weak, then I'm strong, why don't I attempt something at my weakest while I'm going through cancer treatment? What if I attempted something that I didn't believe I could do even at my peak, even at my best? And Iron Man was one of those things. It was not on my bucket list. I was not a triathlete. I wasn't even an athlete in high school. It was just one of these things that I, I knew of that I thought, that's not for me. <laughs> that is not something that Jay Hewitt can do. But I thought, what if? What if I, I allow a physical demonstration of something that I knew was a spiritual promise? I, I understood from the get-go that this strength has to be a spiritual strength, a strength of soul. But I thought, what if I, what if I put this to the test on a, a, on a physical level And I realized if I did that, I had this opportunity within this huge obstacle, this obstacle that seemed impossible. There was this opportunity to show my young daughter that Hmm. anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God as long as you hold on to the hope of Jesus. If you hold on to the hope of Jesus and allow his power to get you back to your feet and keep you strong and press on, anything is possible. And so when that all formed together, I thought, this is worth this is worth the attempt. I'm going to try this. Jay Hewitt here on The Intersection. You can connect through IamWeakIamStrong.com. His website address is jhewitt, dot org. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. And you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming menu from the homepage at faithradio.org. You will find at The Meeting House homepage a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast, as well as The Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. You'll also find a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel, through which you can watch video of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can access the Meeting House homepage through the programming menu at faithradio.org. There's also a link to the Media Center through that menu. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app 
and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast with the Vice President of Marriage and Family Formation for Focus on the Family, Greg Smalley who provided some insight into recent survey data regarding a decline in the divorce rate, the importance of sharing a positive viewpoint on marriage, and how Christians can work to preserve their marriages. Here now from that recent Meeting House conversation is Greg Smalley. I was just looking at some research that our own research team here at Focus on the Family did, and we were looking at for couples who we asked, has your marriage improved or grown stronger this year? Why? And, and several of the factors that emerged out of there are, are things like we, we pray together, we go to church together, we are following Christ. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's such a powerful reminder that, that for, for, you know, to, to spend, make sure that are we praying together as a couple? on a regular basis. You know, are we going to church together? And when we go to church together, we're surrounded by then a community of believers, people who are supporting marriage. And and that's that's always a win. And 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 so, yeah, really making sure that that our spiritual relationship as individuals we're growing closer to Christ, but also are we sharing a you know, a spiritual relationship together as a couple is always such an important thing. And when we, when we were talking a moment ago about just, you know, younger people who maybe are, are, are choosing not to get married, I always tell couples, you know, I think it's a great reminder for us that when we talk to other, you know, younger couples, whatever, other couples about marriage, that we, we often have a tendency to point out and remind them that marriage is really hard. You know, marriage is, takes a lot of work. And as a matter of fact, I did an informal survey here for Focus on the Family to where I pulled in a whole bunch of engaged couples and asked them, what do people tell you when they find out that you're getting married? And I was saddened to hear how many well-meaning Christian married people, when they hear about one of these younger couples getting married, that that's the message they give. Well, you know, hey, be careful because it's, you know, you you got to work on this marriage. It's really hard. You're going to go through hard times. And, and it's kind of like the message that a lot of us, you know, who are married give these younger couples is that, hey, you should get married. And by the way, when you get married, it's going to be really, really hard. But you do it. <laughs> but it's going to be really, really brutally hard. And, and I understand, I get the heart. I, I know that marriage takes work. I mean, we get all that. But we need to make sure. So one practical thing I could say for, for couples is when you tell your love story, when you're talking to another couple, make sure that you talk about the highs. Make sure you talk about the great parts of marriage. I mean, here, you know, I've been married 31 years, and, and I get to be married to my very best friend. Aaron, we, 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 the, the things that we get to experience together, just amazing. So let's talk about the good parts of marriage. Let's talk about the low points. Let's talk about how then God created some turning points and how he's taught us and what we've learned. 
but we can't just tell couples, oh yeah, it's hard. And you need to do a lot of work to stay married. I, I get that, but let's tell them why this is this gift that God created and gave to us to steward is such a great, cool thing. And I always, I love using an analogy about an adventure. So here I live in Colorado. So we've got these big 14,000 foot, you know, mountains in, in to me, marriage is like climbing a mountain and it's going to have the highs. It's going to have the mountaintop peaks and it's going to have just these amazing moments and it's going to have some valleys. It's going to have some hard moments and some seasons that are difficult and, and yet it's going to have all of that. So let's, let's make sure that when we're talking to these younger couples that we do tell them that this is also a really amazing, cool thing that that you're mm. doing. So it's just it's good for us to remember that we can't just overwhelm these young couples by saying, ah, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, I, Aaron and I, really we we besides really you know Christ is our foundation and making sure that we're growing spiritually as individuals and a couple Greg Smalley here on the intersection you can access information about marriage through the focus on the family website at focusonthefamily.com front slash marriage well finally on this edition of the intersection podcast here are some comments from Oceana Fleiss author of Awaiting the Manger, Whispers of Advent in the Old Testament. In our recent Meeting House conversation, she discussed her inspiration for this Advent book, which includes the stories of characters in the Old Testament. This is Oceana Fleiss now. At some point along the way, I started just writing down little notes about, wow, this kind of points to Advent, and this one does too. And so eventually, through lots of prayer and and writing and rewriting, I, I put together this this idea for a book, and I'm really excited and grateful that I was able to do it. I went through many, you know, 25 um, of the different Old Testament stories, and I did focus on the characters, um, mostly, uh, I guess all of the characters, um, their stories. So, um, for example, Leah, I pull out Leah, and we just look at her kind of from her point of view, you know, like what what she went through as being the wife that was not loved, not the first one chosen. You know, she was the wife of Jacob, but he really wanted to marry Rachel. And the Bible even uses the mm-hmm. word hated. God saw that she was hated by her husband, it says. And so I look at her and we kind of go through her story of, um, of that, longing to be loved you know she just longed to be loved by her husband and she begged god for a child because she thought a child would make him love her more and or love her at all and um and god was so gracious he gave her a child and he gave her you know three children and all through those first three she had more than three but her first three children she's there's always this like maybe now he'll love me maybe now jacob will love me and I think we can relate to that so much, right, in our lives where we're we're longing for love and we look for it in different places. And whatever we, even when we get what God, what we've asked God, it doesn't really fulfill us um, because nothing can fulfill us except God himself. And, uh, and so she finally, the fourth one comes, and the fourth child that she has is Judah. And mm. Judah means praise, 
And she says, now I will praise the Lord. And it's like she comes through this this kind of spiritual journey that we all go through, right, where we're seeking and we're trying to find love, we're trying to find that fulfillment all over the place. But we finally, when we finally look to God for our strength and God for our fulfillment, then we can praise the Lord. Then we, then we find there's this like resolution, like now we can praise the Lord. And what's so cool too about that is that Judah is the fourthborn of the hated wife, but he becomes the leader of all of the brothers. The other before him are disqualified for different reasons. He becomes the leader. He becomes the one who is the, you know, his tribe is the um, tribe that is the, the whole southern kingdom is named after Judah. You know, when the kingdom split, it's named after Judah. But even more importantly than that, Here we it's go. the tribe that Jesus <laughs> comes from. <laughs> Exactly. It's so exciting. <laughs> I get really excited. That's great. Um, yeah, it's the very tribe that the Messiah was, was, you know, prophesied back in Genesis to come from. And sure enough, Jesus comes and he's from the tribe of Judah. And isn't that just like our Lord, you know, to come from the hated woman's tribe, to come from Judah, who was not the firstborn, not the mightiest one um, at first, but ends up being the strongest one in the end. And... So what, a, what an amazing story. Oceana Fleiss here on The Intersection. You can find her online at Oceana, that's O-C-I-E-A-N-N-A dot com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by accessing the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast as well as the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can find video of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. A link is provided through the Meeting House homepage. There are also links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. That is updated weekly. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming menu at faithradio.org and click on The Meeting House link. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.